the Masters is the tournament of all tournaments, where legends are made. Every player and fan dreams of putting on the coveted green jacket at Augusta. And this week, someone will fulfill that dream for the very first time, or put it on again and relive the best moment in their lives. We are so excited that you are tuning in for this historic 10th episode. This is the Over 6 Sports Podcast. 2021 Masters Edition. Welcome, everybody, to the Masters Edition of the over six sports podcast with you as always is Zach, the bandit Burke and my co-host, as you know, and love the turf King super appropriate this week, turf King, Cameron Charlton. What's going on, Cam? Oh, you know, I'm happy you didn't touch on what day it is today because it's the one week a year. It doesn't matter what day it is. It's master's week until we get to Sunday. I don't really care because it's just master's week, Monday through Saturday, all the same. It's Masters Week. It's Masters doing, Week. I'm doing excellent, sir. Um, I know that the, you know. Obviously, mainly we're going to be focusing on the Masters this week, but I did just want to throw out there that the Leafs are on a great point streak right now. It's looking really good. Jack Campbell's nine and zero. Everybody's feeling good in Leafland. Besides the fact, and maybe we can talk about this really quickly, is that I keep getting Facebook memories popping up about me being disappointed like i think the one was 2011 it was like um you know i believe in you leafs good year good luck next year and i think that was on monday and then today's was the only thing the leafs are consistent at is breaking my heart i feel like they're just preparing me for this playoffs that i'm going to be disappointed again i just i don't know how you do it you know i've seen those memories from 10 years ago seven years ago you get your heart broken every year. How do you stay true to being a Toronto Maple Leafs fan? You know what? It's funny because people rip on us all the time. And like, obviously there's homers and like, there's people who are just ridiculous takes But for the average Leafs fan like myself, you know, I just, I just have a team that I like. I happen to live an hour from Toronto. It's like, this has been my team forever, but it's so like, I didn't even realize that the one post was 10 years ago and that I've been basically preaching to the choir for 10 years, man. Like it's nuts. So to answer your question, I mean, you got to hang on to, to any sort of hope that you can, that you can have. And, you know, maybe COVID-19 has done us a solid and, and put us in a good position to succeed this year. But it's just one of those things like I, you know, same as like, how, like the Cubs didn't win a world series for a hundred years or whatever it was, man. Like, could you imagine not in your lifetime seeing a championship? I mean, the only thing tiding me over right now is that the Raps actually did something. You're right. Raps 2019 pulled out the championship. So it's kind of tied me over for now, but, but it's a daily struggle. Yeah. I mean, I was struggling with that a little bit too. We're both born in 94, 93 Habs won the Stanley cup, 93, the Jays won the world series. So I hadn't seen anything in my lifetime. And literally the year before I was born, two out of my teams have won championships. So the raps kind of ended that a little bit. So it's not just me being alive that's stopping it, but 
I mean, well, I'm at least not, as my... a Habs, sorry, at least as a Habs fan, you've seen a playoff win recently because that's been nice. Cause I have not seen one. And since I was like 10 years old and they, you know, beat Ottawa in the first round or something like that. Yeah. I had the big year a couple years back when we had Halak and they went on the run, upset Washington, upset Pittsburgh. So I've seen a couple runs by Montreal where really Toronto hasn't done that. I mean, 17 years, they haven't even won a playoff series. So there is some hope there at least. Well, as I said, I just, I just, all I want, I'm just a humble guy on a little podcast. All I want is for one damn playoff win. Please. Can we get a series win? Please. I'm still not got over the heartbreak in Boston. Like I think that's what spurned the, the Facebook post was that they're consistent at breaking my heart and they've actually lost the boss. I think twice since then. So it's, it's just bad. But anyway, we don't need to, to relish in my, in my anguish. Um, I guess we'll see what happens with that, but, uh, I'm super excited for this, for this podcast. We got some great stuff coming up. Um, we're not going to hit, uh, do any NHL picks this week. We're, we're sticking mainly with the masters this week. We're going to talk about a bunch of that stuff, but before we get to that, we got some headlines this weekend. Yeah. So first off we'll go, we had the, uh, bracket ended yesterday. The NCAA championship was over. We had Baylor just absolutely dominate Gonzaga, basically. I mean, they were oh, up 10, 10 points at half, but to me it felt like it was 30-40. That game really wasn't much of a game, which was disappointing. They were up 9 nothing in, like, the first minute. Like, it, it was – I actually put thir- a 30 spot, put 30 uh, down on, uh, on Baylor to win, and it was decent odds. I think it was, like, plus 250 or something. And then the first two minutes, they're up nine nothing, and like that bet on bet three six five, it cashed within five minutes, like it was crazy. And I just wanted to take a moment. We had our uh, over six sports uh, bracket pool, and just wanted to shout out Luke Kilborn for taking down uh, that pool. Yeah, he was seventh, I think, and and quite close to the bottom. By the way, just in case you're wondering, I got last. I got it was not good. We don't need to dwell on that too much. But Luke, congratulations. Um, Really, he had Baylor to win, and that was the the big difference. We had uh, one of our listeners, Scott, who got second. He had Gonzaga, and and Luke had Baylor. So whoever won that one, so congratulations, Luke. So I got a question for you. Based on the season that happened in Gonzaga, they were thirty one and zero going into the game, so they finished the year thirty one and one. At the end of the day, what would be what would you feel better about going one in thirty one in a season? Or going thirty-one and one and losing in a championship game, what hurts more? That's a great question. Um, was the one game the last game of the season? The win or the loss? Like, like the, the win. win. Like if I'm one in thirty, was it the last game of the season or was it like in the middle? It can be anywhere. The last game, I think, I definitely lean that way. If it's in the middle of the season, I think it's more of a question mark. Okay, so I'll put it this way: is if I went one in thirty and my last win like the last game of the year was a win, I would 100% feel better about that than going undefeated and losing in the title game, for sure. I've always preached that a bronze medal is better than a silver, right? Like it sounds ridiculous, but sometimes it's better to win the bronze than it is to lose the, like to lose gold, right? Like it's just, it's just a, such a garbage thing. But I have experience with this because my hockey team was 0-10 and we won the last two games of the year and it felt like we won the championship. So that's where I'm leaning. Well, yeah, I think the big thing touching on like the Olympics, when you win bronze, you lose gold and you get silver. Initially, the shock is way worse to 
Like winning bronze is way better than getting silver. 100%. Initially. 10 years from now though, you look back and you're probably, you probably like the silver better in 10 years. So initially I think like teams like you had UCLA or a couple of the other teams who did a bunch of upsets, they're probably feeling way better even though they lost their last game than Gonzaga. When you're that close to having the perfect season and not doing it, it's got to hurt. But I think in 10, 10 years from now, these guys can look back and they had one of the most, one of the best seasons ever. And it's definitely a great accomplishment. It just sucks not having that cherry on top. Well, I just want to shout out UCLA, by the way. I mean, they, they were unbelievable in the tournament. Um, you know, they, they, they pushed Gonzaga to the brink. It was, it was going to double overtime before the miracle three by Suggs, uh, to end the, to end the uh, semifinal game. Um, but I am giving props to the 11 seed, but can I also slam the 11 seed because their game management, like, I know this is not championship game. It's not part of the headlines. I just have to get this off my chest because watching this game, the game management, I know that they're kids. I know that it's just college ball, but Like, what are you doing, man? Like, you've got 10 seconds left on the clock and it's a tie game. And you bull rush the rim and the guy sets up and uh, uh, basically takes the charge. You had to see that coming. Like, it's not like the guy just slipped in there. Like, he was standing there for a good one, two seconds and you have so much time left. Why are you not taking a perimeter shot, especially when your team is shot well all game? Yeah, I mean, you you got to hold out for that last shot. I mean, I guess he thought he saw a lane, but it was a bad, a bad choice. But again, that's what you get from young guys. You're not going to always make the right decision, and you got to learn from it. And that's what happens. And that's also part of the reason that makes college basketball so exciting is you get those mistakes, you get those moments. Well, and even that that when Suggs shot the three, and just a reminder, we're talking about the semifinal game between uh, Gonzaga and UCLA. Um, they so they 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 got the layup, which was actually a great play. Uh, I forget who it was, but sh- but shoots it off the rim, gets his own rebound, lays it up with three and a half seconds left, and then they didn't call a timeout. They didn't even really pressure the guy. Like nobody pressed him at all. He ran down the court from the baseline and lobbed it at the end of the logo, uncontested, pretty well. I mean, the guy, the defender at the end, you know, put his hands up trying not to foul him, which makes sense. But he ran down the floor in three seconds and had really an uncontested shot. Like, that can't happen. I'm sorry. I don't care what level of basketball you're playing. That can't happen. Yeah, I think the biggest thing they were expecting there was Gonzaga still did have a timeout. So I think they were expecting them to use it. And Gonzaga was smart not to. If you're going to get that last chance, let's try and catch the team off guard and let's do it. And they did it. So, I mean, but, a but lot of- so like getting back to getting back to the championship game though, like Baylor completely just out muscled Gonzaga all game. It wasn't even close in the paint. It was ridiculous. Like it looked like it was an NBA team playing against like, well, yeah, college team or boys. Like it was nuts. They had, they had no rebounding presence. Everything inside was going in. Like it was crazy. Yeah. I don't think, Gonzaga had a box out in the first half. No. Anyways, it was an exciting tournament as always. It's it's so much fun to watch, especially the first couple of rounds, all these upsets. Bittersweet. I mean, even even cheering for teams who you don't have in your bracket just because you want to see more upsets. Oral Roberts. It's always a it's always a fun <laughs> always a fun month. So it, it was definitely a good one again. And you did have two number one seeds, and Baylor was the better team that game, and there's no questions about it. And we're sad to see it go, but uh, I mean, at least we had the the March Madness this year. Last year was canceled. We've had it this year. Super looking forward to next year. Um, so what else we got headlines-wise? So I don't want to offend anybody here, 
But the next one might go a little offline here. Uh-oh. Jordan Spieth is back. On Easter, this guy comes back for so many years. He comes back from basically the dead. I know you, <laughs> anybody religious knows what happens on Easter. Yes, and Jordan sir. Spieth did it on Easter. Resurrection it's, on the third day, baby. Actually, the fourth guy, day. <laughs> this guy has been four years where everyone's counted him out. He didn't know what was happening in his golf game. At the U.S. Open last year, he was talking about it. And he's like, I know you guys have probably never experienced it before, but it's incredibly enjoyable to be here. But at the same time, you guys will never know that I'm hitting it both ways. It's so hard to stand on the tee at a U.S. Open and not sure if the ball's going left, right, or where it's going. That's my feeling, bro, by the way. That's how I feel every time I hit the ball. But he just kept talking, and he's like, but I'll grind it out. I don't ever give up. I have no reason to. I'm here, and I deserve to be. And he's been playing so well, but it's Jordan Spieth. He's finished top four in three straight stroke play tournaments. But it's Jordan Spieth. This guy has a Masters. He has a U.S. Open. He has a British Open. He had to win. To truly be back, he had to win. And he did it. And he did it on the Sunday before the Masters, a tournament where he's been so good at. So, I mean, I was super excited Sunday. I couldn't stop watching it. And Jordan Spieth is fucking back. Let's go. I love it. Um, I mean, he's been all over it, right? Like, And we thought, you know, the Valero... Uh, open in Texas, right? Like it, it's, yeah. Um, it, can you pick a better time to kind of win that first tournament in five years? I forget how many days that he had that he hadn't won, but it was, um, it was over a thousand for sure. Like he hadn't won in five years. Right. So, um, and he, and, but this year in, in general, he's been all over it. Right. And he's, you know, second place finish, third place finish, top five, top 10, like he's been all over it. And we don't want to get in too much to our master stuff, but I mean, how, how can you not bet on this guy in this week? I mean, getting a win finally builds, you know, builds some of that confidence back. And, you know, we all know that golf is such a mental sport, right? Like, you know, even just for ourselves as amateurs, right? You go out there, you hit a couple of bad shots and oftentimes to get yourself out of the doldrums in that round is really difficult. And we're playing for nothing, We're playing for basically like as a match play that we play, we're we're basically playing for ego. We're playing for bragging rights. Like these guys are playing for millions of dollars in major championships, right? Like to get yourself out of that mental hole where you haven't won in five years is nuts. So when you finally, you know, get over that peak, sub at the mountain again, riding that into the masters is it like, it has to be a huge advantage over anybody else in the field. Yeah, and for me, Jordan Spieth is my second favorite golfer. Tiger's number one, always will be, always has been. But Jordan Spieth's number two to me. The way he just talks on the golf course, the way he plays the golf game, the way him and his caddy go at it, it's just so relatable. Even coming down to 18 this weekend, he's two strokes up on Charlie Hoffman. He hits an okay drive on 18. TPC San Antonio, it's a tough hole. He's 277 to the flag. He talks to Greller and he turns to him and he's like, does three wood bring bogey into play? There's a Creek in front of it. There's a bunch everywhere. Greller pauses for a moment and says, no. Meanwhile, anybody watching is like Spieth, take out an eight iron, take out a wedge. Let's make par force Hoffman. And he's thinking this, he ended up picking out the eight iron, hitting the wedge, ended up making par and forcing Hoffman to try and make an Eagle, but just stuff like that. And hearing that from him. So here I got the actual quote from the U S open last season. 
Standing on a tee at the U.S. Open and not exactly knowing where the ball is going to go is not a great feeling. I know you guys probably haven't done that and experienced that at a U.S. Open, but it's not incredibly enjoyable. And it's just every time this guy speaks, he just speaks the truth, and he's so transparent, and it's so relatable. Yeah, he's one of those guys. I mean, I think there's only one other guy who... um you know, who, who does interviews like that and is so honest. And the other guy is Rory McIlroy. I mean, every single time this guy comes up to the mic, he says, you know, things that not only the average fan will can relate to, but just things that are just great material. Um, this might be a good time, actually, good transition-wise. I, I, you know, we don't want to throw too many quotes at you, but there's just been so many. I mean, this is the beauty of the Masters. Is all of the best golf quotes and all of the best, you know, storylines just come out in Masters Week more than any other major uh, in the PGA. Um, Cam, do you want to hear the quote from Rory McIlroy this week? It was a beauty. Yeah, of course I do. Anything time Rory speaks, he's another one guy who's relatable and honest. So Rory was just asked about, um, uh, just asked about, okay, hey, like, you know, you have, you've been struggling winning tournaments, you know, does it make sense for you just to circle the majors on your calendars and play for those? So that was the question that he was asked. This is a lengthy quote. So stay, stay with us here, but I just want to read it in its entirety. Um, it involves Tiger Woods, our boy, and I just want to read it out. This is Rory McIlroy, quote, I think that circling them the majors on the calendar is probably the best way to go. I was thinking about this. So I went over to Tiger's house a few weeks ago to see him uh, and he's in his family room. He's got his trophy cabinet and it's his 15 major trophies. I said, that's really cool. Where are all the others? Tiger says, I don't know. Rory goes, what? Tiger goes, yeah, my mom has some and a few are in the office and a few are wherever. (laughs) Rory continues. I was driving home and I was thinking, I mean, he, Tiger, talked that that's all he cared about. All he cared about was majors. So how easy that must have felt for him to win all the others. That was just always in my mind. He talked about these are the four weeks that matter. So the weeks that didn't matter, you know, he racked them up at a pretty fast clip. Roy continues by saying, but I'm just thinking to myself how easy that must have felt for him if all he cared about were four weeks of the year. The other stuff must have been like practice. So that's like... A really, that's a cool perspective to have, right? That's all I could think about on my way home. Oh, and I was glad he was okay too. Laughter and quote. Well, and that's the thing is, you know, Tiger's always cared about the majors. He won other tournaments. He's the most dominant golfer ever. And it's just funny hearing that for more. You always hear, it's great all these Tiger stories we're hearing with everything going on and it's just so nice that Rory's just super honest and just tells it as it is where Tiger likes to hide a lot of that of about himself and to hear it from somebody else is just awesome. Well, and I just, I, I, I just love the quote. I mean, it really puts it into a great perspective. I mean, anybody who doesn't play professional golf, right? Like, you know, my goal every time I go out on the golf course is just not to suck. That's pretty much it. If I can beat you once ever, that would be great. I know that's one of your goals this year is for me not to be you. So you know, that aside, but like for the average person, we're like, okay, let's go out, you know, have a couple of beers and, you know, maybe we can get a couple of birdies and that'll be a great day. And these guys are next level. Obviously they're getting paid for it, but you know, the perspective there, four weeks, that's all you got to do when four mate, like there's four majors, so there's four weeks of the year. That's it. Everything else is whatever. It's tune up that to me, that makes so much sense because who cares if you win the Abu Dhabi, crystal palace award and you get this really stupid crystal like who cares 
I, I, I mean, if your guys like, um, you know, if, if your guys lower down on the tour or on the corn Ferry tour who come up and they win one of those, that's life changing because of the money. But for guys where the money doesn't matter, all that matters is the majors and especially putting on the green jacket. Well, I think that's one point that comes in. For, there's only a handful of guys that it's only the majors that matter. You even got a guy like Kevin Kisner earlier this year who was asked about the different majors and stuff about them. Like, why do you go to these ones if you can't compete? Because he said, he, like, Tory Pines has no chance of winning. Beth Page back, no chance of winning. And he just tells you they pay a whole lot of money for finishing 10th to 20th. And they he's say fine no hobby. That. They say no yeah. hobby. But yeah, like a guy like Rory, he's won enough. He's makes enough money that the majors is where it matters for him now. So it's nice that he's finally realizing that. I just don't hope he doesn't get caught too much up with Bryson. Yeah, we we definitely don't want to see him swing out of his shoes and trying to be a player that he's not. And we got a ton more golf talk to come. But uh, as I said, we are not going to make NHL picks this week. We're going to take a break from that. But we are going to go over our recap uh, from last week's NHL picks. Yeah, we want to be fully transparent about our picks on this podcast, so we're going to definitely recap on last week's picks, and we'll start with the Habs game. Uh, see, this is where it's always tough when we pick earlier in the year, the, or earlier in the week. The Habs lost 6-3 to the Senators. Definitely was their weakest game in the last two weeks. They came off three straight wins. They beat Edmonton yesterday in overtime. It was just a letdown spot, and they let us down. 6-3, Ottawa. I mean, I don't even think there's too much to read into this game watching it. The Habs weren't that bad. They just made some stupid mistakes, and Ottawa capitalized. Well, and it's, as you said, it's a uh, pesky situation going on down there, right? I mean, like, right from the get-go, it was a, you know, it, it just, you could just tell from the start that it just wasn't, they just didn't have it that night. I mean, they still scored three goals. I mean, the the over the over under was I think uh, five and a half in that game, and it went to nine. So nobody was expecting that many goals. But I mean, when was the last time Ottawa scored six goals? Yeah, I mean, it definitely wasn't Carey Price's best night. It wasn't the defense's best night. But again, once again, the best player for the Habs that night, Josh Anderson. Two more goals for that guy. Every game you watch of him, he stands out almost every shift. Whether he's hitting somebody, skating, he's way quicker than I ever thought he was. And he's putting the puck in the net. So you got another big performance from him, which was super positive. So we'll keep moving with them. And they're in a good spot. I mean, they're in a playoff spot. I don't think these four teams are falling out. So no, let's well, just get some, get some better seating. I mean, I think they'd rather play in that 2-3 game. I don't really want to play the Leafs in the first round. Likewise. So just keep playing uh, good hockey. And yeah, at least they still want to play the Habs either, by the way. So like, let's like, it, it's up to you guys to make this work. Cause we're, I think that the Leafs are going to be cemented in the number one. So if you guys can slip it to number three, that'd be great. Thank you. Yeah. I definitely want to see the Leafs Habs play, but I'd rather see it in the second round than the first round. hundred percent. Something we can agree on as opposing fans. I do not want to see you in the first round. No, thanks. <laughs> so we both hit Owen one with that. So that wasn't so good, but I mean, I really don't want to read too much into that. That's just a letdown game and Habs have won four out of five. So what are you going to say there? Next game we're going to touch on is the Sunday game, the Leafs beating the Flames. And I mean, they went exactly as we expected. You cannot trust this Flames team right now. No. And actually the Flames, uh, they, from eye test, they actually outplayed the Leafs for two thirds of that game. I think it was two, two going into the fourth or into the third period. And the Leafs just came out and, 
were like, okay, we're going to go score two goals and we're going to go win the game. And the, ha- uh, the, the Flames had no pushback whatsoever. Yeah, the two games that they've just played, the Leafs and Flames, the Corsi overall was 51-49 in the two games. So the Leafs barely won that. High danger scoring chances, the Leafs only led by one in total. So both games were actually super close. But the Flames' high-end scoring, again, isn't getting it done. And the Leafs are. The Leafs' high-end scoring, Matthews, had, I think, had three in the series. They were getting it done. And that's the difference. When you get into these tight games when a team's, and especially a team with no confidence and their high-end scoring's not doing anything, it's going to be a difference in all those games. And, I mean, we've talked about this all year, but, I mean, like, Riddick played actually good. I th- I felt on Sunday, I mean, he let in four goals, but I actually thought that he made some good saves. I think it could have been worse. Um, you had asked me yesterday before the game, um, fantasy related, but you know, I, and about Markstrom and I said, well, it's going to go one of two ways. It's either going to be terrible night for him in goals against, or he's going to basically shut him out. Leaf scored five goals last night. Matthews had two. You can't really blame Markstrom for some of them, but, um, I mean, again, I don't want to dwell on that too, too much, but I do want to comment that Matthews is now at, I think 27 goals. This, this kid has like, if 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 you don't think that his wrist, I mean, his obviously his wrist was buzz, bugging him, you know, ten games ago. Is it fair to say that the guy's back now? Yeah, I mean, he was never really that off. I mean, Leafs fans just wanted, I think, to make an excuse. The guy's gone through this every year. He's in the league. <laughs> He's not going to score sixty goals in fifty six games or fifty goals in fifty six games. He can score forty, but stop just still nuts. Yeah, no, he's one of the best goal scorers in the league for sure. There's no question of Mark. But he's not the best goal scorer of all time, which sometimes no. Leafs fans get a little overhyped up. So, but yeah, no, he's a phenomenal goal scorer and he's going to keep scoring goals. He's going to go through some where he doesn't, but then he's going to rack up three or four games where he's scoring two goals all every one of those games. And that's what you saw. And he'll, he's going to get his chances. That power play's still a little slow, but he's still going to get his chances on that. So... Thank God I mean, they finally scored last night. They were one. They they were twenty six power. I think there was it twenty six power plays in a row. They didn't score and they were zero for twenty six or zero for twenty seven, and they scored on their twenty eighth or something like that. Finally, well, and that leads into Wednesday's game too. What has been the difference maker when they played the Habs? Their power play. So if yep. their power play is not going at all against the Habs, I think the Leafs could be in for a little trouble. I mean, no Montreal is missing quite a few guys, but. But I actually think that that's an interesting benchmark, though, because if if the Leafs don't score on the power play and they still win by two, like that's a big confidence booster for the Leafs for sure. Because then you're like, okay, hey, yeah, we beat these guys on special teams before, but we have the ability to beat them in regulation. I know all the Habs are missing guys, but it's it's just still one of those things where you gotta you gotta start kicking teams, right? Like, and this is what I was preaching before. You go on the ten game skid, that's fine. I have no problem with that, right? Perfect timing, middle of the season, end of the year. You got to rack up the points, build the confidence, and that you that the Leafs need to come out and make a statement versus the Canadians tomorrow. Well, that's the big thing. Touching on that game, I know we were going to try and stay away from hockey too much, but we can't. We can't do it. It's impossible. We have to talk about it. In the series so far, there's no doubt in my mind. I know I'm a Habs fan. The Habs have been the better team five on five, and I don't think it's been that close. The Leafs have been the much better special teams team. But the Habs have dominated most of the play five on five. So come playoffs, that's where it tightens up. You see less power plays. So I think tomorrow's could be a big statement Leaf, Leaf game, really. 
they need to come out five on five and show they can hold their own against the Habs because playoff time it gets tighter. So we're uh, we're both one. You took the Leafs on that game as well, correct? Yeah, we both took the Leafs. Both are one and one now. Yeah, and this week we both hit our locks, which is nice. I'll touch on mine first. I went back with the Isles after they uh, didn't show up last week, and they came through this week. <laughs> yes, sir. It was real dicey. They were up 2 nothing early. I felt great. Then it went to overtime, and I did not feel great. I have been screwed so much this year, betting-wise, overtime and shootout, and being a Habs fan. That just adds to it. So as soon as they tied it up and it went to overtime, I was a little nervous, but they pulled it off. Help my lock. So I'm three for four so far since we started this segment, and it feels pretty good. Touch on your game now. You went with the Florida Panthers. I did. I did not pick, as I promised, I didn't pick Buffalo. Or I didn't pick against Buffalo, and I didn't pick against, um, uh, who's the other one? Oh, I, Detroit. Sorry. I, I don't, they're so irrelevant to me that I can't even think of their name. Um, but no, I didn't. I, I went with the Panthers, um, and they pulled out a 5-2 dub. I don't even remember who they played. It's been so long ago. You got it there? No, I actually completely forgot who it was, too. It was 5-2, and I figured you'd be doing the research on your own lock. No, you know what? I actually, you know, the thing is, is like, um, you know, Easter weekend, I wasn't 100%, you know, like, to be honest, I wasn't really paying attention. I saw they won, I think they were up 3-0 at one point. I was like, oh, whatever. Um, Not a big deal. Sorry, it was the Blue Jackets. So they beat the Blue Jackets 5-2. I don't think that was a big surprise. But, uh, yeah, I mean, 5-2. I mean, it's pretty dominant, their first place in, in their division at this point. So um, what, what what am I for my locks right now? You are still sitting 100%. You can gloat Oof. a little bit this week because you did stay away <laughs> yeah. from the Sabres and Wings. I will That's let you right. gloat. Let's go. 100% on the locks. NHL picks, baby. Keep hitting that up. Now, the good news is, is that I will still be a hundred percent for another week because we're not doing NHL picks this week. So I will ride this wave of perfectness. Uh, but yeah, I mean, so for the weeks, I mean, we're both two and three. I thought that that's all right. So did you, do we have percentages for what we're at now? I know I'm at a hundred percent. I think you're at uh, 75% on lock. So yeah, that pulls our locks to those percentages overall. I'm brought it right back to 50% overall and you're sitting at 53% overall. So on the up and ends now, and uh, hopefully this last little stretch, we can really pull it in. And you know what? Hey, as I said, 50% in the NHL, especially this year. And this is the one thing, actually, before we kind of move on from this conversation. But uh, but betting on NHL games has been so weird so far because I know that, you know, especially North Division, everybody plays everybody. And I know the teams have said that, that it kind of bothers them from time to time. But from a gambler's perspective, man, every time I look on the – like I look to, to do a parlay or whatever. It's like Washington versus New Jersey, you know, Pittsburgh versus the Islanders. Like it's the same game over and over and over again. So it's kind of a bad spot from a gambling perspective because you don't want to use previous games as, uh, as an example, right? You want to get teams going, but if they've played like five times in two weeks or five times in three weeks, it's like, it's really hard. Cause you're kind of guessing at that point where you're like, well, you know, Washington won the last three, but this, that, and the other thing, like from an analytics standpoint, it's a nightmare. So, you know, to summarize, happy to be at 53%. You're at 50%. We're hovering around the same area. I love it. Yeah. And I mean, that's the two things I'll point out. One, we basically only pick North division games. What does the North not have? They don't have Detroit or Buffalo. We just got the pesky sends. Secondly, we pick our 
take make our picks on Tuesdays or Wednesdays. The games are on Saturdays. A lot of the times the teams play before that. So it's really hard to get a read. I mean, I can add a bunch of excuses. We do need to be a little better, but we're not doing terrible. We don't need excuses when we're 50 and 53%. I'm sorry. If you've bet our picks and you've parlayed some of them, and if you've hit all my locks, then you're in the plus money. So I'm apologizing for absolutely nothing. So we will move in because this is Should what we do it. Actually, I don't know how many people are waiting for this, but this is going to be our master's segment now. Yes, sir. In your life, have you ever seen anything like this? So right where I want to start, Burke, about this is just touching on the course. Augusta yeah. National. Yes, sir. Probably the most famous course in the world. Maybe St. Andrews, maybe Pebble. But is there anything as prestigious and as perfect as Augusta? By the way, just so you know, I have chills as we're talking about this. Literally, look at my arms. There is goosebumps talking about the Masters. And the, to answer your question, no, there is nothing more illustrious than the Masters at Augusta National. But can we also acknowledge that this is the second time that we've got to watch the Masters in six months? I'm giddy with excitement. Yeah, it's crazy. We It feels like we were like, just watching the Masters a couple months ago, and we actually were this time. It'll be a very different course this year. It'll play really different in April than it did November. I mean, I don't really think it showed its full potential in November. It was wet. It was overseeded, which isn't great. It's a completely different style of grass. It's mainly ryegrass they use, which just isn't that nice hold on, to play hold on, off hold on, of. hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold the phone. I just want to let everybody know that the Turf King is in the house. Cam, give us your Turf King report on Augusta at this time of the year as opposed to November. April's just the perfect time. It's in Georgia where we're playing. The course should be perfect. The weather's been perfect. They just had the women's amateur there, and the course was in remarkable shape. You'll notice that the greens are actually slightly purple, which is they're a little dry and a little not as green as the rest of the course. So they're going to be fast. They're going to be fast and firm, which is what well, we why like. Why is that, by the way? Why, why are they drier now? Like, is it just weather-wise? Is that the only reason? That's the main reason. There's a lot of, like, Georgia gets quite wet in the fall. In November, the, a lot of the grass still goes dormant with what they use, so they have to overseed a bunch. And right last year when we had the Masters, we had some torrential downpour. It, you were getting mud balls. It wasn't that much fun for the players, but it was still Augusta, and they still did the best they could. April's just perfect for it. The conditions are about as good as could be. We do have a chance of rain this weekend, so we'll see what that does. But the drainage should be so much better in the spring as well. Nothing better than seeing these azaleas blooming. I mean, we missed that in November. Something about Magnolia Lane, the azaleas blooming, just changes it a little bit. I mean, I just finished watching the one in November, just touching on the course, and everything this golf course does is insane. Even these match matches they have, they have matches that they give to people. They have green tips instead of your red tips. Like everything they do with this course is just remarkable. And it's, it's crazy to see the course. Well, and, and, you know, as I said, there's nothing really more iconic in sports than Augusta National. I mean, as soon as you see the shot of Magnolia Lane and you hear the, the piano riff at the start you know exactly what it is. And even people who don't follow sports, I mean, if you walk up to the average person in the street and you said, hey, you know, um, do you know what St. Andrews is? Yeah, they probably don't know, right? Like mo- most, the average person probably wouldn't know. 
If you walked up to somebody in the street and you said, hey, have you ever heard of a little course called Augusta National? I guarantee you that most people would know what that course is. And honestly, I got horny just listening to you talk about the turf and the conditions. Uh, I mean, come on. like it, it, It's really going to set up for a fantastic golf tournament this weekend. And, uh, and as I said, spoiled with being able to watch it, uh, watch it twice in six months. Glad it's on time this year. And, uh, and Hey, I mean, maybe we'll get to see a new champion this year. I mean, that's always kind of my hope at the start of every masters is that we get to see somebody else putting on the green jacket. As I alluded to in our, uh, in our intro, um, I mean, it's one of the things that players, they, they strive for to be part of the, one of the most exclusive clubs in the world. Yeah, to me, it's not even close. You have four majors. The PGA is kind of a nothing major, really, if you look at it. The U.S. Open can be good, but there's no iconic course. I mean, the British Open or the Open Championship, as they like to call it, if it's at St. Andrews, it's got to be up there and maybe close to the same level, but they also play it on many different courses. So if you're winning it at a couple of the other courses, it's nothing really in comparison. Masters is played at Augusta National every year. The guy who wins it puts on that green jacket and you get to go back there every year. And on Tuesday, you get to go to maybe the most illustrious, crazy dinner Tuesday with all the champions from every year of the masters. And it's just insane. It's, I'm I'm going to spring something on you. Sorry. I'm going to spring something on you. I don't know if you've thought about this, but there's a tons of things going around um you know today about what people would have on their you know for their master's dinner because obviously you know if you win the masters the next year it's the master's dinner and you get to choose the menu and you get to basically have your own dinner you can have whatever the heck you want cam if you won the masters which you are actually slightly more likely to win than me which is still extremely low percentage wise what would be at your master's dinner yeah, that's a tough one. I think I'd have to go with some sort of venison deer roast. Okay. Probably just some potatoes. Keep it pretty easy. I mean, they've had a bunch of people try different things, and you always have to have some sort of steak on the menu. Uh, other than that, I mean, I want some sort of cheesecake as the dessert. Yes, sir. And Caesar salad to start. I think that's basically where mine's got to start. you got to still go with the meat and potatoes. I just think the deer venison is something that I've grown up eating. It's got to be on the menu and keep it that way. Where would you go with it, Burke? Well, I think uh, the Harry, our boy Harry Higgs was like, uh, he's like, you know what? I really like steak, but man, I fucking love mac and cheese. Like just hook me up with some beauty mac and cheese for this thing. I can't, I mean, I can't argue with that. I mean, if I had to go through the list, um, you don't want to be basic. I think that's the thing. I mean, like I found Dustin Johnson's this year. It was like, it was classic, but it was also boring. Like I feel as if it's, if it's your dinner, you should be able to put whatever the heck you want on it. Right. So let's work my way backwards here. Dessert. Yeah. I mean, cheesecake, absolutely. But maybe like have a nice little Sunday station or have some like creme brulee or something like that dinner. I mean, I'm kind of I'm, I'm a surf and turf kind of person right so like yeah you can have the steaks in there like give me the you know give me some some jumbled garlic shrimp um give me some you know like the keg garlic mashed potatoes with a little jus on the side that that's you know that's a that's a classic uh, you know salad you can go you know caesar salad's always classic i'm fine with that the appetizer though i think i would maybe play around with that one i think maybe i do something funny like i don't know like 
flaming hot Dorito uh, mozzarella sticks or something. I don't know. Something interesting. Something just to spice it up where like you get the guys who are like 70, 80 years old or like, like who the, what the fuck is this guy serving at this dinner? <laughs> yeah. Sandy Lyle's going to be super confused. I mean, he did have tigers in 2019, which was pretty cool. So it was his fifth master's win. So he took the dinners and took parts from his first four previous ones. So the one year he went heavy sushi. I mean, he's got an Asian background, his mother. So he went sushi and then did a few other things. So his one in 2019, he had sushi as a starter with the tempura. And then he went back to his prime rib and cowboy steak. And then with his desserts and stuff, he had like multiple desserts from the four years before. So he really mixed it up. And that was kind of cool to see as he threw things that really don't go together but they go together because their dinner's tiger served at Augusta. So that it's was a pretty baller cool move, man. Like honestly, because like just imagine, be like, yeah, it's my fifth uh, green jacket. So yeah, all you old guys, like you can eat whatever the fuck I I'm serving because I'm Tiger Woods and you can suck it. So, but enough about the food. I mean, love the topic. It's a fun one to talk about. Let's get into the Masters picks. And where do you want to start with that? Uh, let's start off with who we kind of think is going to win. I mean, that's that's the one that everyone wants to hear. That's, I mean, that's what you do. You want to pick winners. I mean, I don't know if it's always the smartest strategy you do when talking about golf, but it's still fun. So, it's tough. Uh, it's give... tough. Like, just, just, just to put it into context, though, like, picking a winner on, I mean, you can, by the way, live bet, you know, it, we're releasing this episode a day early so you can make your picks um ahead of the thursday start so if you want so all of these odds that we're uh about to throw at you they're all based upon current odds on bet 365 um you can look obviously for odds other way other places um but you actually can live bet after the first round after the second round the odds will change but all of these odds are based on today's um projections and they'll probably be the same for tomorrow's day before the masters so um, just wanted to, to throw that out ahead of time, Cam. Yeah, so we basically went with three picks on all of these, kind of some ones we're liking and some value plays as well. That's where I kind of go my betting. I know we're going to go try and do a lock as well, which is super hard to do. So with uh, two win, we each got three. Uh, let's hear your first one then. Um, well, to be honest, I forgot that we were doing three. So, uh, I have one at the moment, but as you talk, I'll try to find two and three, <laughs> but, uh, but mine's, mine's Tony Fino. Um, I like Fino has been like on the doorstep year after year. He didn't do great in November. I think he placed 38th in November, 2019. He placed fifth and 2018. He placed uh, 10th. Uh, keep in mind 2019 was Tiger's year, but he was right there. Like him and a couple other guys were right there, but he fell off a little bit. Um, but given the size of, of Tony, like this guy drives the ball super, super well. He's generally been pretty consistent. Um, so yeah, I mean, he's plus 3,500 to win. So $10 bet, you know, throw it on $10 bet. You get, you get 350 bucks for Tony Fino to win. Um, I think it's a great value play for sure as a, as a straight winner. And it's only a matter of time till this guy wins a major. So that's my first one. Tony Finau plus 3,500. Yeah. I'll touch on T- Tony Finau a little later and I'll let you uh, sit and uh, enjoy that for a minute. I mean, where, where do I go other than Jordan Spieth? I mean, the guy's my guy. The guy is so good at, 
at the Masters, and I just got a couple stats to read off about how good he actually is at the Masters. So there's a whole bunch of things done on strokes gain. It's basically the analytics of golf. So it touches on players at the Masters. Spieth all-time is second with plus 2.41. It's basically how many strokes gained he is compared to the field. Ben Hogan is number one at Augusta. At 27 years old, Spieth is already tied for fourth all-time in rounds led at the Masters with nine, trailing only Jack Nicklaus. Jack Nicklaus, player, and Tiger Woods. His career scoring average is 70.46. is the best in tournament history among players who have played more than 20 rounds. In 2015, he shot a 64 on the opening day, which the field averaged 73.5. The guy is just good at Augusta. He's won there once, which guys who have won there do well. A lot of guys win a second jacket. He's coming off the best form ever. The last four stroke play tournaments, he's finished in the top four with one win. I just don't know where you go. I mean, the odds aren't great. I mean, it's he's the second favorite, so that's not going to help. But plus eleven hundred, it's still good odds. Ten bucks pays out one hundred and ten. I'm feeling good about Spieth, and I'll be pulling for him all weekend. Well, I don't think. I mean, the the problem with it is, I mean, as you said, the odds aren't great. I mean, it is chalky. I don't think. I mean, this is not for anybody listening. This is not. You know, Spieth being good, if you've followed golf at all, is not breaking analytics, but it's just it's just facts though. I mean, I like the stats that you gave out, right? It does show a little bit kind of deeper into his success and and what you can expect at Augusta because it's very easy to say, well, the guy's had, you know, five or six top ten finishes in the past couple months, like and he just won on the weekend, he should be good. I like the strokes gained aspect of that. I think it's a good pick. Um my second pick again. It, it is also chalky. It's a plus eleven hundred bet, um, but it's going to be Justin Thomas for me. Um, I like Justin Thomas as a player in general. I just think that he's super fun to watch, super relatable. Um, during the match with um, with Peyton Manning and Tom Brady and um, Phil Mickelson and who was the fourth one? Uh, Steph Curry. Um, you know, he was a commentator. I thought he was super interesting there. He's just a likable guy, but he also plays extremely good golf. Um, he's won a couple tournaments in the last year, and he's just one of those guys who consistently is going to be sniffing around the leaderboard. Um, and I will touch on uh, Justin Thomas a little bit later. I do have him in another list. Um, but at plus 1100, again, I, I think that probably the odds, like I, I actually like Spieth a little better at plus 1100. I don't think JT should be at plus 1100 personally. Like if you look at the list, um, you know, plus 1100, John Brahms plus 1200, Rory McIlroy plus, uh, plus 1800. I feel like John, uh, Justin Thomas should probably be somewhere in the plus, you know, 13 plus 1400. And you'd probably get John Rahm at plus 1600 somewhere in there. Um, it's a little too chalky for me, but I think that that would be a good bet for, uh, you know, if I have to pick a second winner, cause I only prepared for one, but if you have to pick a second winner, I don't think Justin Thomas is a bad pick. No, I like JT. I like him. Everything he's done, even the Payne's Valley Tigers opening of Payne's Valley, that scramble or tournament. They did the mini fundraiser. He's just super fun. He's like Rory McIlroy missed a three footer. It'll hit the lip hard. And he just pats him on the back and says, you hate to see it. Don't you? The guy's just out there having fun, and he saw it at the players, which was the biggest tournament so far this year. He was having fun. He was shaping shots, 
and he won it. So that's, I think, where the odds come from. He's won the biggest tournament this year, and he was really good for that. So I like that pick. Next guy I'm going to touch on is a major champion in Colin Morikawa. He won TP Harding Park last year, winning the PGA. The guy just might be one of the most pure ball strikers on the entire tour. I mean, his putter goes at times, but if he can get hot with the putter, ball striking is huge around Augusta. You need to hit the right parts of the green. You need to not have bad misses with your approach shots. That's the most important thing. And he's just, at the end of the day, is one of the best ball strikers on the tour. He's had some really good tournaments other th- since TPC. So I think it's a course now that he's played it once that he'll do better because guys struggle their first year playing there, but you've seen a lot of guys recently even win it their second time around. So I like Colin Morikawa and he's plus 3000. So that's huge value for me. Yeah, it's really good value. I like the, the, I mean, him and Justin Thomas battled it out not that long ago as well. Did they not? Yeah, that was earlier. I the forget the day, I believe. Yeah, yeah, I think so. But like they, they went to, um, they went to playoff holes. Um, like they, it, like it was back and forth. They were both making putts, like long putts. I think that Justin Thomas in that tournament made like a fifty-three foot putt, and then um, uh, Morikawa had to make like a twenty-five footer that wasn't easy to to send it to a playoff. And I think and uh, Morikawa ended up winning that one. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's a great pick. I, I could definitely see him, um, doing well for sure. Um, my last winner pick, and this is a bit of a long shot pick. I don't mind giving out one, uh, long shot. Um, and I've got this guy on another list, but my third pick again, keeping in mind, I prepared for one, but I'm going to take Lee Westwood plus 4,000 to win the masters. Um, he recently has been in, like, I mean, he's been in the sports news quite a lot. Um, you know, like the, the players championship, he got second Arnold Palmer. He got second. Um, he's been sniffing around a lot, man. And he just, I think that it's, it's one of those things where he's just, you can only sniff around so long. And and this is, again, this is a long shot to win. I don't necessarily think that he's going to win, but I do think that he's going to place high. I will get to that on our, you know, on our, one of our, some of our later picks. Um, but plus 4,000, man, I think that he's got enough skill and has showed his ball striking ability and, uh, and also, um, um, course control. I don't think that's the actual word I'm looking for. Course control. What's the word I'm looking for? Course management. Course management. There you go. His course management's been really good. Like he doesn't get himself into a ton of trouble, at least recently. Um, so if he can, and, and I actually think that his, uh, you know, his scrambling's actually been not not too bad either. So um, from a long shot perspective, I don't mind Lee Westwood at plus four thousand. Yeah, I mean, the t- issue I see with two out of your three picks is they're guys who never win and always finish second. But someone's got to win, right? Like that's the thing, right? Is is that yes, you. You're right. There are guys that finish second, but sometimes somebody's going to win their first. Like, look how many, like, like, you know, Patrick Reed wins a, wins a green jacket. Dustin Johnson's been good forever. Finally won a green jacket, right? Sometimes they it's just at least in the win cards. other tournaments. They win other tournaments. Westwood and Finau just always finish second everywhere. But, but, but they're eventually going to win. 
So I'm not in. I'm not interested in these chalky plays. Give me the. Give me the underdogs. I'm all about the Cinderella story. I'm all about the UCLA 11 seed winning the championship title. It might not happen, but if it does, it's going to make for excellent radio. So my third one's going to be Sunjay M. I don't know if you know much about Sunjay M. A little he bit. He plays every week. Lives on the road with his mother, who cooks for him. The guy was in contention last year when DJ pulled away. He was there with Cameron Smith and a couple other guys. He's just got such a pure swing, just super smooth tempo. And he worked his way around Augusta really well last year. So conditions are going to change a bit, but he's just such a pure tempo ball striker that, again, I think ball striking is so key at Augusta. So I see him being there again. And plus 3,300, again, great value. Was he an amateur last year at Augusta? No, he was still a regular PGA guy. Huh. Was it? Like, I thought it was relatively recently. He was an amateur there, but maybe it was a couple of years ago. But he, like, he's been around at least a couple of years. But he's been really impressive. Yeah, I mean, the crazy thing is, he was rookie of the year two years ago. He plays every single week. He doesn't have an actual home; just lives on the road golfing. I mean, it's living the dream, if you ask me. Well, yes. I mean, obviously, we have you know significant others and families and all that stuff around home. But if I could take them all with me. I always say that, like, the one thing that I want for my kid is a number, like, you know, from a from a pay perspective, I'd be like, okay, hey, you know, I would love for you to be an NHL player, but if you're going to pick another profession, be a professional golfer. I can be your caddy. Uh, my wife can be uh, come along on the road and travel like she likes to do. It's the best of both worlds. Yeah, I mean, we can even touch back on Westwood. He's now got his fiance on the bag. They play a lot in Europe. They play in Florida. They play in everywhere so he's just walking around playing golf with his fiance on his bag just traveling the world like just sounds like a great time to me that sounds horrible saying his fiance's on his bag but i totally understand the <laughs> reference considering that it's golf but see this ties into my westwood being good thing i mean this guy again hey he's loose he's ready to go and perhaps he will be on a later list so that is our winner's list can do you want to do what do you want to do next top five yeah we'll move in the top five do you want the first crack or are you going to give it to me this time? No, I'll take first crack. So just just for everybody listening as well, we're going to give winners, which is – that's really high odds. I mean, um, it's it's one of those things that it's more than likely – you know, you, it, it's it's so hard to, 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 gam, to gamble on, on winners. Um, personally, I like doing top five parlays or top ten parlays. I think I like a little bit better. The odds aren't quite as good, but I think that there's a lot of – um, there's a lot of value there. So yeah, so I'll start off with top five. Uh, I think that, uh, so for me, and we already mentioned him, Jordan Spieth for me is a lock top five. Um, I didn't include him in my winners only because I, I'm kind of taking the, the opposite angle where he's had a lot of success, but it, it is very possible that he just, he doesn't quite get it done. I mean, the, the field is, is a bunch of excellent, excellent golfers. And, uh, yeah, so I, I'm thinking maybe he won't win, but even if he gets second or third, I mean, uh, Jordan Spieth, uh, top five is, is plus 225. So, you know, you're going to double up in a bit on a, uh, you know, on a, on a bet. Um, I like it as part of a, of a, of a, even a two guy parlay or a three guy parlay in the, in the field. Um, I, this is one of those plays where like, you know, Spieth as a winner, I think can be tough. But I think Spieth top five is my lock of the week. Yeah, I mean, so touching on Spieth again, he won last week. So here's another stat. Only two players have ever won the week before and then won the Masters. 
Phil Mickelson in 2006, and Sandy Lyle in 1988. So it doesn't happen very often, and guys who win the week before automatically qualify for the Masters. So those guys play every time. So out of all the years it's happened, it's only happened twice. So the odds aren't really there, but I think if anybody's going to do it or come close and finish top five, it's going to be Jordan Spieth this year with the way his game is. So moving into my pick then, we'll go the other route, same route you kind of did, touching on one of my winners, and that's JT. Plus 220 isn't great odds, but it's something I feel pretty confident in. I just think JT is going to be on that leaderboard. He's won the biggest tournament so far this year. His entire game looks well. He moves the ball so much, which you got to be creative around Augusta, and he is. So I just think his form is good. He's such a fun player, and he's creative, and he's one of those guys that I think every year he keeps playing at Augusta, he's going to get better and better, and he's going to win a green jacket one of these years. And top five seems like a pretty good lock to me. Yeah, and that was my second pick, actually, was Justin Thomas at plus 220. That's who I had as well. I mean, the the, the top five in the winner's picks are going to be relatively similar. I mean, the nice thing about gambling on these is that the winners, you're going to have big odds. Top five is actually a pretty safe spot where you're going to get plus odds on all these guys. Um, right. Top 10, you start to get into minus odds, but yeah, Justin Thomas was my second. And, and again, boring. We already kind of said it. Tony Finau for me, I think is the, as a top five, you alluded to this though, is that he doesn't win. So this is where I don't mind taking, you know, like a $10 flyer on Finau to win at plus 3,500, but plus 600 as a top five. I mean, the guys he's proven in the last couple of years that he can be there. Right. 2019, he finished fifth. There, there's an example right there. Plus 600, you know, you're getting a six to one odds. This guy's going to be in top five. I like, I like those odds. I think there's great value with Fino at top five. Um, and again, I, I can't keep locking everything, but, um, and I'm, so I want, you know, I'm not going to lock it, but I feel very comfortable putting a couple units down on Fino at plus 600 for top five. So again, top five, I mean, you've kind of already touched on your three is another place. I really like going with value. So there's both guys I have are way more value than a JT or some of that. First guy I want to touch on is Matthew Fitzpatrick. He's a guy who's had somewhat success in majors. He's a guy who I think can really start to work his way around Augusta the more he gets comfortable. Plus 800 seems good for a guy who's playing well too. So I like that money. That line definitely I think really good value. And he's playing well. The last guy I want to touch on, little Canadian content, plus 1200 for Corey Connors. This guy's been in it so many weeks this year. He's been in the top 10 so often. I can't see him winning Augusta, but he's going to be there, I think. His ball striking is so good. Again, what is everybody who's such a good ball striker right now is going to be in this tournament. And you got to think that today's practice round with uh, Mike Weir, it's got to help you around Augusta. So Corey Connors, top five plus 1,200. I really like that play. Yeah, I like it as well. I you kind of alluded to me, and maybe this is a good spot to go into top ten. Um, I mean, that was that was my my one of my top ten picks was Corey Connors top ten, um, and it's at plus five hundred. I still think that's good value uh, on a top ten finish. As I said, he's proved that he's done it before. Um, I, I think it can be tough. I mean, it is hard to replicate. Again, the field is is huge. And the field is super good it's the best golf tournament in the world. So, you know, for all we know, all of our picks could be, could miss the cut. All right. Like you never know what's going to happen at Augusta, but um, yeah, I mean, and, and what I kind of alluding to what you said earlier is, is that guys who've played there, 
you know, when they're playing there for the second time, you know, they, they, sometimes you can find it easier. So they, if you're playing there last year in November, you got 10th, six months later, you're right back there. Your memory can have faded that quickly. So plus 500, love it for Corey Connors as a top 10. Yeah, he's just been in great form. So it's a good pick there. Uh, the next guy, I, or the first guy I'm going to touch on his top 10 is Max Homa plus 700. Again, a guy who just drives it so well and ball striking. He says it's his best part of his game. And the course that they played this year that's most similar to Augusta is Riviera. Max Homa won there. This guy's getting his second trip around Augusta. So guys in their second time do so much better than their first time. So I feel like he's going to be up there. I don't think he's going to win. But again, just such a good driver of the ball. Such good ball striking. He's playing well. He's won this year. He's competed at match play pretty well so i like that yeah i yeah i do as well man i think that that's a it's a great pick i i think that you know and so again my lock for a top 10 by the way i think bryson dechambeau is getting top 10 is my second pick um it's a it's a tough one because you know it's not very good odds and this is the one problem thing is is that he's only plus 100 to make top 10 the thing with bryson is is that he's either right there or he's horrible and and augusta is one of those places where you can get into big trouble really really quickly the course is not forgiving at all right you get into the wrong spot and and it's a nightmare to get out of so it's one of those picks where i don't love the value but it's either going to happen or or this sounds so stupid but it's either going to happen or it's not going to happen it's either going to be like the worst thing ever and this is where like i don't mind um betting both sides of this um kind of alluding to to something a little bit later we're going to talk about missing the cut but i think he's either top 10 or he misses the cut i don't i don't see him placing 20th i don't see him you know i think he's either top 10 or he's or he's missing the cut no amount of money or better, the good odds or anything is ever going to make me put money down on Bryson you just, Why do you hate him, though? You just don't just like think, him. No, I don't. I don't. I Like, even when he wins, he just goes straight to sponsors. Really, is that all this game's about? Like, you got Jordan Spieth last week. Who The first thing he says, he says, I can't wait to go thank everybody who's helped pull me through this personally. He doesn't name off Under Armour and Titleist and all these other sponsors. I don't know. There's just so many things about Bryson. I mean, slow play bothers me so much. The guy takes like 20 minutes to read a putt and putt it out. Just so many things about him bother me. He definitely moves the needle in golf. I'll give it that. I think he is probably good for the game, but I wouldn't mind not seeing that guy succeed. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't blame you, but I mean, yeah, I mean, you're right. The guy, yeah. I mean, he. I mean, I don't know if you saw the TikTok or whatever it was of him like rushing out from whatever and like pumping iron with his brothers or whatever it was like it was really stupid i mean he's kind of like the new villain patrick reed was the villain for a year and patrick reed's the biggest cheater in golf just so if everybody and anybody wants to talk about that feel free to tweet at us at over six sports on twitter but patrick reed's the biggest cheater in golf but he doesn't annoy me as much as deshamo does every time he wins it makes me cringe but his off fields or his off course antics and just his personality don't take away from what he's done on the course. I think that's important to acknowledge. I mean, the guy still is a really good golfer. He's driving the ball farther than anybody's ever done. Players are trying to replicate him and his swing Rory McIlroy, for example, because he's 
treating golf courses like nobody's ever treated them and, and putting himself in positions that nobody ever gets to be in. Um, yeah. So I, I think that he's got a good chance. You know, as I said, he's either, he's either top 10 or he misses a cut plus a hundred. Don't love the odds, but you know, when you go on that list, I don't, I don't want to pick everybody that's, you know, a long shot or has good value. You do got to pick some chalky plays. I think that uh, DeChambeau plus plus a hundred, a little bit of a chalky play, but I'll stick by it. The two happiest things that happened this weekend would make me is one Jordan Spieth winning and two Bryson DeChambeau getting killed by Augusta. I hope it eats him up, <laughs> but I'll move into my second pick. Mine is probably a guy. I don't even know if you've really heard of him. Will Zalatoris Burke. He's plus five fifty. He's Who? trending in the Will Zalatoris. The guy's Never heard trending guy. in the right direction. Good ball striker. I think he's going to be one of those dark horse guys who's going to be on the leaderboard. He's only plus 550 to make top 10. So that just kind of shows you that he's better value than a guy like Max Homa and stuff. So the guy's going to be there. Everyone's thinking it. And I got to agree. I think he's one of those dark horse guys that guys will never hear heard of before. And you'll be hearing more from him after this week. Yeah, I have no idea who that is. I can't even really comment because I like you might as well have just said like Cliff Brown or something. Like I don't like I can't even look up stats on this guy fast enough to to know who you're talking about. I'll take your word for it. Um my last I think I, I got one more top ten, right? Yep. By the way, my list has been completely just like just decimated because I I don't want to keep talking about the same guy, so I'm gonna pull somebody else out. Um this is going to be a fun one. This is my long shot top 10, but I love it because I love this dude. Phil Mickelson. Top 10 plus 1,000. $10 bet pays you 100 for Phil to get in the top 10. Um, you know, this guy's basically was just tearing it up on the championship on the championship tour, um, which is the old guy's tour. Does that translate to Augusta? Probably not. There's a lot of young guys who are doing crazy things out there, but Phil has won at Augusta before. And as again, you alluded to, oftentimes guys who win very often get to put on the second green jacket. Do I think Phil's got a chance in winning? Not even at all. If Phil won the Masters, I would be absolutely shocked. I'd love it. Uh, but I would be, yeah, no, he's plus 2000 to place top five. So I didn't know what he is to win, but I think plus a thousand top 10. I mean, if this guy's still striking it well enough and he knows the, I mean, he's played there for God knows how, knows how many tournaments he's played there. He knows the course almost as almost better than anybody. So long shot plus a thousand Phil Mickelson. Don't mind it. No. And that's exactly it. Phil Mickelson's won there before. Lefties always do really well at Augusta, Baba, Phil, Mike Weir. And that touches on my next top 10 pick, and that's a lefty, Brian Harmon. The guy was there all week at the players. He was the only guy who was trying to be aggressive on 17 when it came down the stretch, trying to put some pressure on JT. Short little lefty who hits the ball straight, keeps it in play. We've seen that work at Augusta before, so plus 700 for Brian Harmon. I could see it working again. He's another guy who I think is going to slide up that leaderboard and a lot of people haven't heard much about him, but he's going to be there. Let's move into a less positive thing then. Let's talk about who is missing the cut. I love the lines here because it's just so fun. Like it's it's great to talk about, oh, who's going to place top five, top ten, all that kind of stuff. But the missing, 
to, or it's actually to make the cut. If you're on bet three, six, five, it's to make the cut. So they have yes or no, and they have different odds to, to make it or to not. Um, do you want to go first? You want me to go first? I, I, I don't have three. I just have one and it's kind of, uh, I don't know. It's not really a long shot, but it's, I, I don't know. It's really, uh, I don't know. Interesting. Yeah. You go first here. Cause I kind of got a little hot take when it comes to mine. Let's say oh, I've got a hot take. Well, you oh, go that's... first. Okay. I've got Brooks Kapka missing the cut. Plus 275 for Brooks Kapka to miss the cut. Um, this is the guy who basically came out a couple years ago and said, you know, all these other little tournaments or whatever, I play for the majors. That's what really matters to me. We alluded to that earlier. We talked about Rory McIlroy saying that, Tiger saying that. Problem is, Brooks, you got to win, brother. Like, he's won a couple, but he's been kind of quiet for the last couple of years. What did he win? The PGA Championship in 2019 was the last major that he won, I believe. So he's been – and I know he he was injured and all that kind of stuff. Um, but you were telling me something about him earlier. His knee's still messed up. Yeah, he was supposed to be out six to eight months, and now he's playing. Like, I mean, he did win this year already. So he you have seen him win. I think it was the Waste Management at Phoenix he won this year. So his game's not bad this year, but a guy's coming off major knee surgery. He's doing this weird kind of to read putts where he's got one leg out straight because he can't bend it properly. So here's my thing with Brooks though, right? Is is that I think that if he gets off to a bad start, I and you can't find a line on this, but I bet you that I would not be surprised to see him retire. If he had a, and by retire, I mean for anybody who doesn't follow sports a lot, retire as in, you know, just quit the the tournament um, for from injury. Um, I could see that happening. Like I could absolutely see him. Let's say he shoots plus five the first day or something stupid, like something up there, plus five, plus six, even plus four. And just come around and say, yeah, you know what? I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna bow out, not play the rest. My knees bothering me too much. Save a little bit of face. I could see that happening. Uh, that counts as not making the cut. So plus two, seven, five Brooks Kepka doesn't make the cut. Well, that's the thing is. I don't think anybody realizes on TV the elevation at Augusta. It's not an easy walk. These guys still have to walk the golf course. So coming off knee surgery, I don't think that's going to be easy. And I 100% agree. If this guy comes out to a bad start, he's just going to withdraw from the week and see you later. Knee's not doing well enough. So you kind of already touched on it. Kepka's one of the two here. So my biggest take this weekend is one of Tony Finau or Brooks Kepka will not make the weekend. I can almost lock that in. Tony Finau, guy cannot win. Guy finishes second. But what does this guy do under pressure? He might be the worst putter in the world under pressure. What is Augusta known for? The greens. You need to be a good putter. I know he's had a couple okay finishes there, but I just don't see it. This guy's not putting well. His form's kind of fallen off a bit. I think he's missed a cut recently. I just don't like that play at all. And then touching again on Kepka, I don't understand all the talk. This guy's been injured. He just had major knee surgery. Why are we, why is he so high in winning this? I can't see it at all. I can almost guarantee one of those two guys who are somewhat favorites is going to miss the cut this weekend. Well, that works perfectly then because I said Fino is going to be in the, in the race and I said Kepka is going to miss. So we agree. Um, I actually have one more. And again, I think this is spicy as well. Um, before I go, <clears throat> before I go into that one, I do want to just 
um, read out one kind of stat that I thought was interesting. So it was uh, Kyle Porter. So uh, at Kyle Porter CBS on Twitter tweeted out uh, top tens of the Masters over the last ten years. <clears throat> Number six was Rory McIlroy. Number five was Dustin Johnson. Number four, uh, Scott, Jason Day, Adam Rose, Lee Westwood, Jordan Spieth, Matt Kuchar. Three was uh, Bubba Watson, John Rahm, Paul Casey, Ricky Fowler, Tiger Woods. Number two was 13 random players. And number one, 36 random players. So Rory's number six on that. Rory Mac, this is my my other hot take. Rory McIlroy is going to miss the cut this year at the Masters. I don't think, like if you look at, uh, so again, we're getting our odds from Bet365. Um, Rory McIlroy is plus 350 to to miss the cut and he's plus 600 to make the cut rory this year like he what i found in in some of the rounds that he's played is that he's putting up generally speaking bad first rounds like he's not shooting well in the first rounds but then in the second round he'll come back and he'll say that he'll shoot like minus four minus five whatever the case is right and he'll get it to close to the cut line like this guy's made the cut by one stroke a couple times this year, he's missed the, the cut by a couple strokes. So if you're running that cut line, depending where it ends up, um, Roy McIlroy could be on the wrong, the wrong side of that. Again, he's one of these guys that I think that either he's going to have a really good week or he'll be out quick. So Roy McIlroy plus 350 to miss the cut. Yeah, I don't mind that. The guys tried to play with his swing way too much to try and match Bryson's distance. He saw him at winged foot and how far he was hitting it. So he's still hitting it from the rough, but way closer. The other thing about Rory, though, so say he does make the cut. This guy is so good at backdooring top 10s. So that's a big play on the weekend. Friday or Saturday, if he looks like he's going to make the cut, but he's not really in the top 10, I'd see that number on top 10 for Rory then. The guy just backdoors top 10s at majors and especially at Augusta. You never really feel like he's in it, and then you look at it at the end of the thing, and you're like, how did Rory finish 7th? I mean, he's sixth. He, as I said, the stat says he's sixth uh, in the last ten years at making top tens. So he does it. Um, but yeah, that's my hot take. Do you have anybody else, Cam? Is there a dark horse that you have? Is Mike Weir going to make a push into the top ten? Is uh, is anybody else? Freddie Couples going to make a run? Anything else you got? Well, yeah, I got Mike Weir. Two thousand three Masters, one of the greatest Canadian sports moments. It's really the thing that pushed me into golf even more. Seeing a Canadian put on the green jacket, it was just super cool. Mike Weir is plus 150,000 to win this weekend. I'm going in my tradition, and I will always throw a dollar on it as long as he is still playing. Last year, he actually made it exciting because Thursday he had a really good round. I mean, to be honest, I don't think he's going to happen. He's not going to win. But at 150,000 plus 150,000. $1 $1 if he somehow wins is $15,000. You got to do it. I'm just it, it's or 1500. Yeah. It's just I got to keep doing it. Mike Weir Canadian at that odds. I'm throwing a dollar every year. So, it's just fun. You you got to do it, man. I mean, come on. I think we did that last year, didn't we? Yeah, I've done it every year for like 5 or 6 years now in a row. We never know. Um, my dark horse, and this is not to win. Uh, my dark horse, somebody that I haven't mentored is uh, is Xander Shoffley. Xander Shoffley, uh, top five. Xander Shoffley plays uh, plus four hundred. Um, 
again, he's been one of those guys where he was he fell apart in 2019 at the Masters when Tiger won, did he not? Was it not Shoffley, Molinari, Finau up there? Yeah, I believe he is one of those guys. Right? So he was right there. Um, and he just seems to be, again, one of those guys who, you know, anytime you're watching a major, he's always just there. Um, I, I don't think that, I mean, if you look at any sort of news or any sort, nobody's really talked about the guy, but he's still a, you know, this guy's still a, a solid golfer. I just think plus 400 for a guy who's, who's been close in a lot of tournaments Plus four hundred is too much. I mean, you put ten dollar bet, pays forty bucks for him to get a top uh, top five. I I don't see that that's unreasonable. Or you can go the other way and say hundred dollar bet pays four hundred. Actually, a thousand dollar bet pays four thousand. So you do what you got to do. But I like Xander Shoffley top five plus four hundred as a dark horse. Yeah, I don't mind that play at all. He seems to always be there. I know he's kind of been off a little bit this year, not playing as good a golf as he has the last few years. But, yeah, as a dark horse, and those are really good odds, and I think a good value on him. I mean, there's lots of dark horses if we talk about winning it. I wouldn't mind throwing a little sprinkle on, like, Corey Connors or guys we talked about. Corey Connors to win is plus 8,000. Throwing some sprinkle on, on those guys, or even going with guys who have won it multiple times, like Bubba at plus 7,500. If you just sprinkle a couple bucks on some of these guys, one of them wins, you make all the money basically back that you've bet this weekend so that's kind of the way i play golf is i sprinkle a lot of money on a lot of these plus five thousand or more and then when it comes to the plus five or top fives and top tens then i get a little more chalky i got one more for you and again i i i I really like the picks i think we've done a decent job with the picks as i said my my winter picks were kind of off the cuff just and again i'm very eye test you're very analytic which is why we it works so well um, and I guess we'll see kind of, Hey, how it goes. And, and we'll, uh, we'll do kind of a recap next week and talk about it once it's done. Um, you know, the last thing I want to bring over though, is, uh, is lowest tournament round. This is a prop that I like. So exactly. So it's exactly an over exactly and exactly an under. So 65 and over as the lowest round is minus minus one fifty. exactly 64 is plus 175 and 63 and under is plus 600. If you had to pick one of these to put a hunch on or a unit on or whatever, where are you putting your money? For me, I think nobody's going to go under 65 this year. Uh, They got exposed in the fall there with DJ going to 20 under. None of the members are going to like that. None of the green jacket guys are going to like that. It's way better conditions to set up the golf course hard in the spring. So I think they're going to want that number to come down. So I don't see anybody going crazy low. So I think if anywhere, I mean, the odds aren't there, and that's why everyone else is thinking it too. But I can't see anybody shooting under 65. Speaking of Dustin Johnson, we haven't even brought him up at all. I mean, does this guy have a have a prayer? I mean, I looked at like some of the things that I had notes-wise. Like top 10, he's minus 120 to make top 10. That seems ridiculous. I know he's the defending Masters champ, but it was just a different beast in the fall. In the fall. Yeah, and I mean, Dustin's got to be there. He's the number one golfer in the world right now. But for me, when it comes to betting on golf, his odds are just not there for me. There's no value in betting on him this week. I mean, if you want to throw a couple bucks on him winning, I guess the odds are still really good because it is golf. But top five plus, and plus top 900. 10. Plus 900 for him to win, though. They're not that good. 
like yeah. in comparison so, to some of the other guys, like even like even top five, he's only plus one eighty seven on a top five. Like that just seems outrageous for golf. Yeah, and I can I can see DJ being there in the top ten and us talking about him on Sunday, but I can't see myself putting any money down on him. The odds are just not good enough. No, I regretted that last year. I think he was down a couple strokes and he ended up winning by a crap ton. And I should have put, I think it was like plus 190 or something. I should have put a few bucks down on him because he was doing well. Did not, but it will shake out. And I guess we will see what happens. Um, Cam, one of the things that we did this week, we're almost done here. Um, Was there anything else before I get into what we did? Is there anything else masters wise you want to touch on? I love the analysis, love the picks. Anything else you want to touch on? about Augusta no. National before we get into this tournament. I think if you're watching this weekend, you just got to pay attention to the course. I don't think anybody realizes the elevation changes that are on it and just enjoy Amen Corner. There's not a three better stretch of golf, three hole stretch of golf in the world that's better than that in my opinion and Sunday drama will happen at Amen Corner. Love it. And also uh as football fans, it'll be great to hear. I know we heard Jim Nance a little bit in the uh NCAA March Madness tournament, but we will get to hear Jim Nance this weekend once again at uh at the Masters. Um so we released our new uh branding this week. Super excited to see that. If you haven't seen it, it's on the podcast. So our artwork, it's completely changed. I think it looks great, Cam. Yeah, no, I'm excited about it, and it looks awesome, so hopefully it translates, and uh, we'll go from there with it. Yeah, and you definitely will see uh, we uh, – so the reason we kind of did this is we do have some merch coming available. We will keep you posted with that, uh, with those details, um, but let us know what you think about uh, the new logo, the new branding uh, at Twitter. Tweet us at Over6Sports. Feel free to leave us a review uh, on Apple Podcasts um, and tell us what you think. Tell us what you think about the the podcast. Um, I'm going to put money in all these picks, by the way. All these picks that I said tonight, I will put some money on, have some skin in the game. Uh, before uh, we sign it off till next week, and as I said, next week we will do the Masters um, recap as well as we will pick our NHL picks back up. Anything you want to add, Cam, before we uh, sign off and get ready for this week's masters. No, I'm just super excited. We start off Wednesday night with a good old Habs versus Leafs matchup rolls right into Thursday morning with the start of the masters. It's going to be a good week and a fantastic weekend Sunday. I don't expect to move from the couch from the first time that uh, we can see golf on TV till somebody is wearing the green jacket. I love it. And you know what the beauty thing about this being in the spring is? Problem with it in November was it was the same. <laughs> there was football on at the same time. So it was, a, it was a struggle at some point. But this Sunday, it's only going to be the Masters. And we will be locked in. As we said before, you can follow us on Twitter at Over6Sports. Uh, and for the Over6 Sports Podcast, this is Zach the Bandit Burke. And with me is the Turf King. Cameron Charlton. And we loved, by the way, just want to reiterate this, the Turf King flexed his Turf King muscles with his greens and course knowledge. Love that, Cam. Thank you for listening to the Masters Edition of the Over 6 Sports Podcast, and we will chat with you next week. 